Community Soup, a podcast powered by Collective Impact. Welcome to the table. Sure. So I'm Brianna Fox, and I am the K-8 Community School Manager with United Way for the Milwaukee Community School Partnership. I spent two years as a community school coordinator at a high school, and now I work with five K-8 through schools, as well as the communication for the partnership and family engagement for the partnership. Okay, that was that was perfect. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw like a a follow up question out there. So you you've been a coordinator for two years before moving into a manager role. Uh, I think this is a question that a lot of folks have who don't necessarily operate within a school building. Uh, but you, can you maybe share some of the uh, experiences that you had coming into your role uh, with COVID kind of? you know, just flaring up uh, and us going on break and uh, kind of share some of the, the experiences that, that you've had in the, in the building, both like this with this hybrid schedule, this uh, virtual schedule, a little everything in between. Yeah. So I had a really interesting transition into my role because I started um, two weeks before schools shut down for COVID. Um, but in that time, I was able to really meet some of the key players in person before the shutdown. Uh, and so I was really able to dive really heavily into research on community schools and different models and what's worked throughout the nation, what the model looks like in Milwaukee, and spend a lot of, I think, extra time um, that I was allowed to really dig in to that background first, um, which then really made it so that when I started doing the work, I had a lot more research background that I could kind of throw into our strategies and our initiative and things like that. But it was definitely a whirlwind of then having to go from being in person to finding meeting times and Zoom links. And I used to just get a link and not know whether I was invited to a meeting and just join. And be like, I don't know if I'm supposed to be here or not. But I always learned something about how things operated from that. And it really allowed me to get a lot of kind of background work done before we moved back into the building. Um, towards the end of that year, I was really able to have a lot of new systems and stuff in place that I wouldn't have known or necessarily had time to really dig into that had we been immediately in the building. So it was a really interesting transition. Um, and then that there were extra challenges coming back into the building after that time away and with a, a bit of like hybrid. Some students were still online, some were in the building, um, parents weren't allowed in the building, community partners weren't allowed in the building. Um, so there was a lot of kind of additional hurdles that didn't exist prior to COVID. Um, but I think because I had that extra time to dig into the model, I felt really strong in that and was able to take on new challenges by the time we were in person again. Which is extremely important because I think a lot of times uh, we as coordinators are just kind of like, you know, pushed into a building. Um, you know, staff that we work with don't have an uh, a idea or understanding of where you're currently coming in at as far as like how familiar you are with the model. Uh, and so I think that it might have been like a, a blessing in disguise, right, to be able to just kind of sit, take some time, familiarize yourself with some history of the school, uh, but also like how can uh, the community schools model apply at Washington High School? So um, now, as I, I'm, I'm sure a ton of listeners are always curious, like, 
what was all of the craziness that was happening during, you know, that virtual to hybrid to back virtual to now we're in person again and you can come in, but you can't come in that, that very weird period of time for, for, for our young people. Um, so I do want to dive a little bit into you and who you are. Uh, so Brianna, can you walk us through your own, uh, educational journey, uh, as a K-12 student, uh, what were, or what are some of the, uh, things that stand out to you, whether they be positive or negative about your experience as a student? Well, so I think that one thing that's just really relevant in my educational experience is that both of my parents worked for our college. Um, that was our entire career. And I grew up with the absolute expectation that I would graduate high school and I would go on and pursue a more education after that. Um, I highly struggled in elementary school. Uh, and I think what really sticks out to me is the people who realized that, um, the people who saw the struggle, the people who noted it and didn't give up. I had been kind of in this spot where I was just passing from grade to grade to grade. And by the time I was in fifth grade, I was reading at a second grade reading level. Uh, and it was uh, a, one teacher in particular that stepped up and said, I see that she's struggling. I know she's really smart. What is going on? How can I help you address this issue? And it turns out there were like a variety of issues. Um, one of the larger ones was my eyesight. Um, and that I had the really weird thing going on with my eyes and they didn't communicate. So it made reading in general um, really hard for me. Um, and so because it was a struggle, it wasn't something I did. And then I kind of got back into like, okay, I like school again. It's all right. Um, then I hit a point in high school. Um, once again, I was in my 10th grade year in high school and I was done with it. I was done with school. I was done with teachers. I saw a lot of teachers who had different expectations for themselves than for students. Um, I was remember a time where I was kicked out of class because I came in um, and I was chewing gum and my teacher was sitting there with a sucker in her mouth and said, you can't have any food or gum or anything in this class. And I said, well, you have a sucker. So until you throw that away, I'm going to chew my gum. And I was immediately kicked out of class. I had experiences of walking into classes where there was a substitute and the substitute immediately handed me an in-school suspension slip. Um, and just said, I heard your trouble. We're not going to have you here today. It was to the point where I stopped going to class. I didn't want to go to class anymore. I didn't want to be in that learning environment. But I had, again, a teacher who personally called my mom and said, I had her last semester. She was in class. She's really smart. Why isn't she showing up to my classes anymore? And after um, a lot of discussion with my parents, as well as the school trying to immediately get me transferred out, um, my grandmother presented me with an opportunity to audition for a state school. Um, and I ended up finishing my last two years of education at Purpose Center for Arts Education, where half of my education and curricular day was theater-based. So I read Canterbury Tales as a junior in high school, and I didn't think anything of it. I was doing the performance. I was getting ready to play a character. It wasn't until later on that I realized that I was really reading like rich old English, um, but I enjoyed it because I had a purpose in it. And that's really like what got me through uh, because 
I never would have made it to my junior, senior year, let alone um, going into higher education and things like that, had it not been for that switch in schools that allowed me to focus my education in a way that I enjoyed and that I loved, where I was still able to get all the foundational information I needed, but in a way that I was interested in it. That is such a like an important story, not just for you, but just for for I think for young people um, all over, uh, and also like educators or adults that work with young people to kind of understand. Because as you were, um, you know, running that story, right? Um, what I took away from it was the, the relationships, right? And that if you weren't you know, lucky enough to have this relationship with an adult who cared, who saw you for who you are, um, you know, your experience uh, and your trajectory of, in life could be totally different than it is now. Um, and so, no, I, I appreciate you sharing that story. And uh, I just want folks out there to know and understand that um, the relationships that you're able to harvest and, and cultivate um, with, with a young person, it really, really has a huge impact impact uh, on who that individual grows on, grows up and grows on to be. Um, and so just kind of keep that in the, the, the back of your mind uh, when you are interacting with, with, with youth. The next question that I wanted to ask, I, I kind of took this question from one of the practices that we do uh, called community conversations, where uh, we really just try to get a pulse of, of that school community. Uh, and this is like the very first question on our question set that we asked, and I would love to ask you, but if you could create the perfect or the ideal school, what would that school be like? How can you describe it? So I think it would be really centered on what student interests are. Um, I believe that as humans, we want to learn things. Um, when you watch little kids, they are excited to explore, to find things, to learn things. Um, you know, I have a daughter who sits in bed right now writing out math problems because she's like, I want to be really smart. This is really fun. And I think that that is um, just intrinsic in all of us. But what happens is that we begin to teach the way in which we were learned, we learned and the way we were taught to teach and in a very um, structured way without listening to the students, without listening to their interests uh, and without giving it the context that's needed for them to want to actively learn and participate. And ultimately, that means people start to think, I don't like to learn new things. Uh, whereas if you start saying, you know, do you want to learn how to do your own podcast? And they're going to be like, yeah, that's really interesting. But if you say, do you want to learn how to write a speech? They're going to be like, I don't want to stand up here in front of people and write a speech. So really being able to listen to what the students want, what is current um, both for like the individual and the community, um, what's going on and being able to really engage in that so that everybody can find their own outlet to want to learn. And so I know we, we kind of touched on this before, um, but maybe there are some things that uh, you didn't get a chance to get to. Um, but I just want you to share your connection to the community schools model. Um, like, what is, what is your community school's origin story? I think we all have a unique one. Yeah, I mean, mine is really my own educational journey. I feel like I was raised with so many privileges, but I almost dropped out of school. And to me, that's a little bit, like, unbelievable as I look back 
few decades later. Um, but I, I remember like figuring out how I was going to get a job and how I would be able to support myself because my parents would cut me off. But like that was my plan and that's what I was going to do. But once I had somebody who believed in me and that I could, I was able to take that next step. And so it was really the relationships that I saw when I was young, the relationships that got me into a school. Um, it's the same thing. Um, when I was at um, the arts high school, um, I had a teacher who realized that I failed almost every test I ever took. And through that, I was later diagnosed with testing anxiety and realized that that's why all of my scoring throughout my entire educational career was so low. So when I did take the leap and go to college, I was able to get the services and accommodations that I needed to be successful in that. But without the relationships of those teachers, not only noticing it, but taking that next step to be like, I'm going to support you in what this is, um, that was really what made the difference. And so I believe that if we can create environments where there are people with those relationships who are really listening to students, that it's going to give more and more people a shot at success in whatever area that might be for them, because I don't want to box anyone in into like success is higher education, because it's not for everyone. But we can help find help students find directions that work for them, um, that they're excited about. But it's only through those really individual relationships and through that community building that that happens. And so when I see how that worked. In my own life, I really want to see that spread um, and be more accessible to more people. I guess colleagues and coworkers, right? Like, I think I have a really, really, I guess, privileged experience to be able to see others in their leadership styles, um, see how they lead others. Um, and this is just something that I, I don't know, I've always really appreciated, uh, especially when I can say, like, no, like, I would. I appreciate that approach um, or I would like to be led in that way. Uh, and so my question to you is, what does leadership mean or look like to you? But then there's also like this second portion of this question um, where I would like you to describe your understanding of shared leadership, knowing that that is one of our uh, like core principles or core values to community schools here in Milwaukee. Uh, so one, uh, what does leadership mean and look like to you? And then two, uh, can you describe your understanding of shared leadership? So I think my responses to both of these are kind of the same in that I feel that everybody has their own like skills, the things that they are really the best at. Um, I always talk about like my spreadsheets and systems. Like if you need that, like I'm the person to come to you. So I believe that like leadership is finding those in people and having them lead in those areas. So if I know that there's a big project that needs to be done, I can go, okay, I know that I'm the systems person, but I know that Dom's the relationship person. So I need to get him to lead building the relationships that we need for this and really being able to see other people's talents and to appreciate them and then give them the breath to do that. 
I always say, if you give somebody a task, you can't then micromanage everything of that task. And so in that capacity, you, you can actually like break things up so that there's no like one leader who is like in charge of everything, but there are multiple leaders who are di doing different components. And I think throughout the community school model, that's what we try to do is make sure that we're breaking things down so it's not one person doing everything, but different people have different things that they are in charge of within either uh, one project or within larger initiatives that have multiple projects that go in. So really being able to pull those different skills together. And I think the more you're able to recognize the skills of those around you, you can pull them out and have them lead something. I think this goes back to the idea that I have that everybody wants to learn and that it's oftentimes kind of, they feel like pushed out of people because we're told there's one way to learn. You learn by reading and taking tests. Um, but really, there's so many ways to learn and there's so many ways to do and think. And I think that by exposing everyone to that, uh, you get a lot of breadth to what you're learning. So kind of the idea that you can read, you can speak, you can do, you can dance. Um, I think that all of that can be a great learning experience and that that also finds what somebody buys into, what gets them interested in learning. Um, I always think when we talk about anything that's um, culturally inclusive, that it is, that's such a broad statement. Um, very often when we end up doing readings or any type of like intellectual work on this, it comes down to like race and ethnicity. Um, but oftentimes there's so much more than that. Um, I think about, you know, part of my culture that I grew up in is singing and dancing all the time, anywhere, any place. Um, that I was, I had a grandma who wrote shows and was like, you go on stage, you do this, this is what you're going to do. Um, and that was very much like an expectation. It was expectation for my mom that like, there would be music in her life and that she would learn how to play an instrument. And it was an expectation of me that I'd be singing and dancing with everyone else. And so really just being able to pull in different ways of seeing things. Um, and oftentimes what's referred to as different lenses in how we see things. Uh, if we look at reading history, we very often read a white male's perspective of history, and we are taught that that is what history is. But if you go at it from a different lens, if you look at it from what a black woman was feeling and doing in that time, you're going to see a different story. But it is the same history. Um, and so sharing all of those different lenses through different expressions, I think, just gives the ability to pull more people in to that educational experience and to feeling positive about what they're learning because they're learning it in a way that relates to them. Can you share uh, one thing or one accomplishment that you are most proud of that you were able to achieve uh, during your time uh, with community schools? So I would say at the school level, uh, the one thing that I'm most proud of is lifting up the people who sit in the background. Um, when I was in the school, there were a lot of people who were not on a committee. They were not the people to volunteer for anything. But one of the first things I did 
was ask people what they liked. What do you like about teaching? What do you like about being in a school? What interests you? Um, and then as we started to come up with strategies, there were people who were like, I really like doing Legos. I really like playing games. And so I was able to pull them into activities. We started doing an activity day. Um, and my main planning person was somebody who not only was not on a committee, but every time they were asked to be on a committee, said, no, I don't want to. I don't want anything extra. But when I gave them an opportunity to give extra with something that they cared about, that they were excited about, they were more than willing to do it. So being able to see those people step up that normally kind of hide in the background, I think was a great accomplishment there. Um, and the manager role, I'm really excited about what's happening with communication and highlighting what's going on. Um, I think we often forget about all the behind the scenes, the importance of the amount of learning that we do um, as managers and as coordinators. We are constantly learning and trying to get better and better and better. And there's a lot that goes in behind the scenes with that and that we often don't talk about. And so I've really tried to highlight some of that stuff that we're doing behind the scenes, some of the learning that we're doing, um, and then the amazing events that go on, um, because oftentimes these are not the things that are brought up in other spaces, but I think that they're really important, and oftentimes they highlight the amazing things that students are doing, and that should always be highlighted, and so that really just excites me. Such a selfless person, um, you get your most joy from elevating and amplifying the work of other questions here. So to someone who is not familiar with community schools at all, uh, can you give or share your elevator speech uh, describing to them what community schools is and maybe some of the impact, uh, the positive impacts uh, that the model has on a school uh, and its community? Yeah, so community schools is really a transformation model. So it oftentimes is never fully done, but it's about listening to the community and the community not only being the staff and teachers. Well, their voice is definitely an important one. We also need to be listening to the students, to community partners, to the residents around our schools, and bringing people in to make the positive changes that that community wants to see. Uh, I know as a community school coordinator, I never said this is what I want, this is what we should do. It was always this is what students are asking for, this is what the community wants. Um, and really bringing those leaders up. So back to that shared leadership question and finding what those strengths are and how we can build our school community through that, how we can create that student excitement through our community partners and really bring that in a way that everybody's voice is at the table and that we start to yeah, respond less to a fully administrative, um, dictated school environment and listen more to what that community needs in that environment to fill those needs. I'm so, um, I'm so, I, I like that. Um, What do you think we have the power to change about the K-12 education landscape or experience? 
Well, I would love to say we have the power to change things like standardized testing and the things that like really stress out our schools and impact funding. Um, and I think that on a certain level as a community, we do as we um, join together in seeing how that system really works and what's going on in the state of Wisconsin and the way in which they fund schools that leaves Milwaukee underfunded, I think um, needs community attention and that as a community, we can do something about it. As far as our scope within the Milwaukee Community School Partnership, it's really starting to change the landscape of our schools. So again, getting that community of the school to say what those needs are, and that as we show results from that, we're able to go back to administration and have more and more leverage towards what we know and see is working and say, okay, we understand that you want to do this, but can we further this conversation because we've had a lot of success in this? Uh, we hear things um, often in education about how there's this new idea or initiative that comes across and every three years we have to throw away everything we're doing and start something new. Well, community schools now, we have not had a significant portion of change in the last seven years and how we are trying to implement. We are really moving forward with what we know has made a difference in, in other communities and in our own schools here and really sticking with that model so that we have more and more evidence to show to say this is what's successful. And by listening to the community, we can make positive changes for our next generation. Okay, um, so I did. Have, I, I, I just thought of one question I want to throw out there. Uh, so I know, in addition to um, you know supporting the K eight schools, um, you know you lead initiative level strategies. Not only communication, I know you touched on that a little bit, but also uh, parent and family engagement. Uh, so I just really wanted to to create some time, create some space for you to. Uh, just kind of give an update on how the families are doing. How, how are the parents, um, you know, what is it like when you are uh, engaging with parents and families, uh, I would say in a more intentional way, um, you know, what are the things that they are sharing with you? Uh, what are some gaps that maybe still exist um, from kind of getting them at the table uh, in a way in which we want them to and vice versa? Um, I guess, how can we be more collaborative with our families, uh, essentially, is the question I want to ask you. Yeah, I think in my experience, one thing that we've been missing with our families in the last few years is those relationships. Um, I called several of the families at our schools that are involved, and a few of them were really shocked that I called them. Um, and so much that they were like, you called me. Thank you. Thank you for calling. They're so used to emails and auto texts and auto calls that they've lost any type of real relationship with the school. Um, this, of course, has been even more so with COVID and not being able to allow families into buildings. So some of the relationships that were there kind of disappeared over the last two years. But I think that that's one piece of really being intentional that we've lost. We now think, oh, if we just do everything on Zoom, it'll be fine. Uh, but 
families want to be involved with what their children are involved in. So we're finding much more success in seeing there is a art project that your child did, and this is a time where you can come in and see it, or we have student poems that are being read. And then within that, still having the important conversations that we need to have. Uh, we have one school who has been doing uh, dinners and events, but with every single event, they go through school data and they talk and have real conversations about what that data means. Uh, you wouldn't have gotten parents to the table if you said, hey, come have a data chat with us. It's not what parents are interested in. They want to know who there's their child is dealing with on a day-to-day. -day. They want to know the teachers. They want to know the projects. So by kind of putting those together um, and putting parents really at the forefront and making parents the leaders within the parent work, uh, making sure that it's really tied to what they see at the school and able to have those conversations in a way that is relationable and not like, this is what you need to do and this is what I need to do, but rather together we can make this change. Um, so really seeing parents become those leaders um, and some schools have been really successful by having some parent leaders engage other parents, which have engaged other parents and really been able to grow that within their schools. But I think it all goes back to those relationships and that just as important as having a relationship with a student in the classroom is that relationship with the parent. Um, and I saw that in my own education, it was my parent that was called. Nobody approached me about what was going on with me. They called my parent and I was lucky to have somebody who fully backed what I was doing and totally understood where I was coming from um, as a sassy teenager and all that was still ready to say, you know, no, you are not giving up on my child. You are not kicking her out of this school. That's not happening today. Uh, but that was only because a relationship was there and that that teacher was able to reach out to my mom. So I think that it's really going back to those often one-on-one -on -one touch points and having those relationships between teachers, administrators, um, and the staff within our schools. Because yeah. so it's, it's hard to advocate if there is no relationship in place, right? Yeah. Yeah, super important. Um, I would say anytime I get a chance to like speak or address folks, um, I guess under the guise of community schools, I like to start and finish with just like expressing my, expressing my appreciation for the commitment to, uh, the, the work, right? Because this is something that is not, um, you know, you can't, you can't transform a school by yourself, um, this isn't a task that one or few people can can accomplish, and it always takes uh, others to be involved. And so, one, I, I just want to, you know, say, Brianna, I appreciate your commitment over the past few years to uh, the community schools model here in Milwaukee. Uh, obviously, I think you are uh, extremely talented, and um, we are super lucky to have you uh, in the role that you're in. Um, but we also wouldn't be who we are as like community school advocates if we didn't, um, I guess, given uh, uh, an opportunity for a, a call to action, right? So like for whomever 
is potentially listening to this conversation that we're having, right? Like, what is a way that that individual who may be a parent, who may just be a neighborhood resident, who may work at a nonprofit, but, you know, isn't active in a school building, right? Like, what is a call to action that you uh, can ask of someone, right, um, to, to help contribute to making our schools um, better places, um, so we can kind of serve our young people and our and our families, uh, so they can you know reach the the pinnacle uh, that we know that they need to reach. Um, I would say number one is pay attention, pay attention to what's going on, uh, pay attention to what decisions are made from state levels down to district levels down to school levels, and who's making the decision and on behalf of whom. Uh, oftentimes we hear that's out of my control, that's them over there. So who is the decision maker? And really paying attention to that, paying attention to whether the answer that you are given is matching what you see. Um, oftentimes we get very blanket answers about things. And this is especially true in a large district like MPS, where there are over 160 schools to speak for. And it may be true that an answer given is speaking for 85% of those schools. But what about the rest of them? Is that the experience at those schools? And are we paying attention to whether those answers are just for that 85% of schools or whether they apply to all of our schools? I would give one example is that if you ask the district about family engagement, they're going to say, it's great. We have a parent coordinator at every school. And there is, in fact, a position on the books for a parent coordinator at every school. But many of our schools do not have a parent coordinator in that role. And so that is a huge um, role that's not being filled. That is one of those strong relationships that often happen with families. So you really have to pay attention to whether the answer you're being given really matches the reality that you're seeing. No, that's, that's really great advice. I think um, sometimes or oftentimes we... Um, you know, we, we misunderstand that part, right? Like, it's okay to ask questions. It's not you being defined. It's not you necessarily throwing anybody under the bus. Um, but it is like acknowledging, right? Like, if we are to get better, uh, we have to know where we currently are. We have to identify where our gaps currently are. Uh, we have to be transparent, right? Because essentially, you know, our schools are here to service uh, the community, whether you are a young person, uh, you know, the family of someone who attends our schools. Uh, and we want to create a, um, uh, a a great experience for you and your young person. And so for us to do so, you know, we have to know the facts and, you know, feel encouraged to feel empowered um, to ask questions, to ask the question why. Um, again, it is not a bad thing. Sometimes, you know, those conversations can can get uncomfortable. Right. But I think that's what growth does. I, I remember when I was, you know, younger um, and like my knees would really hurt, like oftentimes right before bed. Uh, and my mom told me, oh, you know, those are growing pains. And so that concept always stuck with me that, you know, there there could be 
certain conversations or certain things that make us feel uncomfortable or maybe we don't necessarily want to rush to have uh, these conversations or discussions. But if it is all uh, in the spirit of us improving as a collective, um, those conversations should be encouraged. Uh, so, I, I, again, I appreciate that little tidbit. Uh, but ultimately, this entire conversation has been extremely fruitful, not only for myself, but I'm hoping if you have the 35 to 40 minutes to tune in, uh, that you got something out of it. Um, and if you are ever looking for more information about the Milwaukee Community Schools Partnership, um, what is our website? I should know this off the top of my head. It, it's a uh, United Way gmwc.org. There it is. Uh, and there's a community schools tab uh, to find out a ton of more information. But I appreciate appreciate you, Brianna, for, uh, for 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 having this dialogue. I know we talk like this all the time, but um, for for allowing others to kind of like sit in and uh, uh, be a fly on the wall to this, um, super appreciative. So thank you. Thank you. There it is. <laughs>